Hello, beautiful alchemist. Welcome to Reiki Radio. I am your host, Yolanda. And today we have a guest who I was so excited that said yes to coming on the podcast to share with us. You may know her as the Tarot Lady. Her name is Teresa Reed. And she has authored several books about tarot and astrology. And she and her books, her work overall, um, really supported me personally when I was trying to learn and understand and build a relationship with tarot. But she recently came out with a new book called The Cards You Are Dealt, How to Deal When Life Gets Real by Teresa Reed, again, the tarot lady. And I was very excited when I saw this because then I knew, oh, I want to read the book and see how I can apply it to the work that I do, but also maybe we can talk to her about it. And I have to tell you, it was much more than I expected. I thought, you know, yeah, there are some challenging readings and there are some topics that people may bring up sometimes that may be challenging to address. Well, the tarot lady hits it all head on and she covers how to use the cards for ourselves or even if we read for others, um, having those conversations that tend to be more uncomfortable, like dealing with death, dealing with any kind of loss, dealing with how to be a caretaker, how to nurture yourself when needed. Um, there were, there's just so many topics in here and we'll get into it in the conversation, but I really do recommend this work if you need support in how to be more self-reflective yourself, no matter what it is that you may be going through, or if you're doing healing work and now some things even from the past may be surfacing, maybe you have some of that shadow work going on and you just don't know how to sit with what is coming up, or maybe there is a part of you that just doesn't know the right questions to ask to help you have more clarity and understanding around your own feelings, your own thoughts. This book is incredible because she covers all of those topics, but she gives you journal prompts she gives you um, different meditation and breathing techniques so that you can really settle in and uh, work with whatever does come up. So there was one other thing I wanted to tell you about this. Oh, even if you're not familiar with tarot yet, you can work with the Rider Waite Smith deck. And in this book, before she gets into all of the detail of the spreads and these conversations that I just mentioned, she goes through the definitions of all of the cards. So whether you are new to tarot or you have been reading for a while, you still will get a lot out of this. And her definitions are so helpful because they will make you look at cards perhaps differently than you have before or already. So I'm excited to share this with you. I think you should definitely check her out. Curious or tarot enthusiast. Either way it goes, she goes by the Tarot Lady. So you can go to her website, which is thetarolady.com. You can check her out on Instagram at thetarolady. She also does um, these astrological reports. Uh, she calls them Cover Your Astrology. She posts those videos on Instagram as well. A lot of fun. And don't forget, if you want to do any classes with her, which we actually will talk about. You can learn all of that on her website as well. So get ready. Take a deep breath and open your mind. Let's have a conversation about some very uncomfortable conversations. I hope that this supports you. If you think it will support anyone in your life, please share the podcast with them and I will see you on the other side. Hey everyone, we are here with the amazing Teresa Reed, the tarot lady. I have to say, I, I think once I get it out of my system, then I can relax and sink into conversation with you. But I am genuinely excited to have this conversation because online and listening to your podcast um, in the past, there is something about your personality where you feel like you're just sitting with one of your very best good girlfriends, you know, 
And so it's very exciting to meet you. Thank you for coming today. Yolanda, thank you for that introduction. And thank you for inviting me. I'm so excited to talk with you today. And it's freezing cold where I'm at. So I'm hoping this warms me up. <laughs> I will do my best. I'll send some <laughs> of that San Diego your way. So this is the thing. Um, you have, of course, the incredible new book, The Cards You Are Dealt. And I really want to get into this because it mirrored so much. I wasn't expecting, I don't know what I expected, but this is an incredible book and I think everyone should get their hands on it. But before we get into it, um, there are just some things about you that are fascinating to me. So as I mentioned before, you had podcast with the um, tarot and astrobites. And then your website though, is something that really grabbed me because the tone and the way that you describe cards and the language that you use, even on Instagram, your cover, your astrology, you're just so raw and relaxed and there's nothing that feels rigid about you. So just curious, have you always been this person? <laughs> like what even made you or, you know, want to share tarot in the way that you do? Thank you. That's a great question. Uh, I'm very straightforward. And, uh, you know, I'm one of those people, it is what it is. This is just who I am. Yeah. I'm super individualistic. I never want to be like anybody else. And so when I have been doing my work, whether it's writing, whether it's reading for the folks or doing live streams, it's always just coming from the place of me being me, yeah. um, you know, and that's really the best way to describe that. So I think, you know, sometimes there's some people who are put off by that. Because, of course, people sometimes expect that tarot astrology should be explained in some way that I like to say is highfalutin. Right. And that's just not the way I am. I think that that makes it inaccessible. And it really creates a vibe where it's only for certain people, you know, like, oh, only for the scholarly, only those who have studied or whatever. Yeah. And that to me is just a whole lot of BS. So everything that I do, ultimately, my goal is to bring this information down to earth and to help make it accessible so everybody feels that they can get it. Because I believe everybody can use these tools for their benefit. And I also believe everybody can learn to understand it, even if only understanding the basics. You know, Yolanda, over the years, I've had many people who've come to me and they say, I'll never be able to do this stuff. Oh my God, you make it look so easy. And it's like, well, it's not that it's easy. It's just like learning any language. And when we're learning language, it's best to just be immersed in it and to take your time and eventually you're going to get it and if you are feeling that the other readers or teachers are making it too hard it's not that you're uh, not bright enough to get this it's just that you have the wrong teacher so let's break this down let's make it work and that's always been my goal even when i've done you know putting my website together i never ever would have put something up there that sounds different than me that would sound rigid that would sound a certain way and i gotta say this goes back to me being a kid hmm. so when i was a, a little girl you know i grew up in, with a bunch of farm folks and i remember i broke my leg at two years old i was playing roadrunner with my brother jumped off a couch this is why we should watch cartoons <laughs> <laughs> and i broke my leg and it was a pretty severe break and i was in the hospital for six weeks in traction because that's what they did back then and my parents had to leave me there and I remember coming home and I came home learning. How, I, I learned how to read in the hospital because there was nothing to do. And I was a very precocious child, but I came home and I felt like an alien in my family. I'm like, oh, my God, I don't fit in with these people. And when I went to school, I always felt like an outsider. I never, ever fit in. And where I went to school, there was a lot of conformity. Mm -hmm. Everybody conformed to a certain style, to certain interests. And I was always doing things that were quote unquote weird. I was called weird all the time. Uh, like for example, when I was uh, 12 years old, I discovered punk rock music and this is in a rural area. Mm -hmm. And how did I discover it? Because I'm nosy, I'm curious. And I saw a magazine, I had to know about it. And, you know, so I had people that were just horrified because I wasn't doing the norm. Mm -hmm. And that never bothered me. I always said, I never wanted to be normal. I never wanted to be like anyone else. I just want to be me yeah. and that's it even as a parent i have two adult children now the thing that i always encourage them just be you i don't care what you do with your life i really don't care just be you 
don't try to be a carbon copy of anybody else. You gotta be you. And I think ultimately with the work that I put out there, I mean, maybe this is kind of a big mission. I not only hope to teach people, but I hope I encourage people to just do your work. It's you. It's the best. It's really powerful. And the thing that's coming up in the background, because both both of the systems that you use, I love so much. Like I love tarot. I love astrology. And what I appreciate about both is they help me see myself in ways that perhaps I just didn't recognize or realize. And it could be because of how I was raised and just so many things that keep us away from truly seeing and knowing ourselves or accepting it. And so I do want to ask you about this because there's still a lot of perception that tarot is just for predictive work or only certain people can use them or you have to be psych, just a lot of story. But could you talk a little bit about how tarot in of itself can be used as this tool that's so mirroring and kind of just something you can go into relationship with? Absolutely. So tarot can be used for divination. We all know that. And I love divination. I'm not one of those anti-divination people because I think when people speak from that, that comes from a very ignorant place. And I think that's a lot of gatekeeping. And I think that's a lot of, I I could say a lot about that. So let me not even go down (laughs) that topic. So I'm totally pro divination. And I do believe that divination, sometimes if used properly, it allows you to see where you're headed Right. So that you can make better choices because I'm always about choice. But also tarot isn't just limited to that. Tarot is this wonderful tool that helps you to sort out yourself. And I know that anytime that I'm going through something dramatic or intense or emotional or confusing, I can grab my tarot deck. I can sit with my journal. I can pull some cards. I can use those cards as a prompt to really start processing how I'm feeling, to understand how I'm showing up or maybe how I need to show up. So I I look at them as a tool for self-development, reflection, uh, inner work, shadow work. There's so many ways you can use the tarot. It is not limited to divination at all. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because that was one of the things – you know, I focus a lot on when I, especially, well, when I'm reading for anyone really, but I like to focus on the energy of the situation, like looking for the blind spots, just in general with anything in my life, I just want to make sure I have a bigger picture view. Like, what am I not seeing? How can I understand this? But this brings me to your book. Um, When I read the title, The Cards You're Dealt, How to Deal When Life Gets Real, So You. I just have to say too, with the languaging that you always use, it makes the work useful. It's not just practical, but it's ingestible. And I think that's so important because there are so many books and um, there's just a lot of language that unless people have studied other things, other systems, Mm -hmm. there's a lot that can be misunderstood and misinterpreted. And then you just feel like, well, this isn't for me, but you keep it. So like, again, it's like talking to one of your best girlfriends. I always tell people go to your site for definitions, but anyway. (laughs) <laughs> thank this you book yeah no it's true this book um I didn't know what to expect and it was so beautiful one reading your stories the personal um stories that are woven in there and stories of clients that was very um nice because it one you know it's where we get to resonate and we see so much of ourselves woven into these things But the thing that struck me the most was during COVID, that's where I really went deep into relationship with tarot. And it was because I was grieving the loss of three friends, but I was in situations where I didn't know how to grieve a process. So I would literally go to the cards to see what's going on with me because I couldn't put my finger on it and I couldn't give language to it. So the cards helped to kind of crack me open to the potential of what I was holding, right? And I thought like, wow, this is so incredible. So I wanted to talk to you a little bit about this and even your life experience, the comfort that you have in talking about not just death, but all of the things that we tend to want to shy away from or try to be overly polite about. Oh, that's another great question. I think, first of all, when I wanted to write this book, I wanted to write this book for a long time. Mm -hmm. because, you know, one of the things I've said to folks is that, 
you know, oftentimes people have a misconception that when someone comes to a tarot reader, we're all talking about that tall, handsome stranger, that all the readings are entertaining and we're all going to be, you know, dressed in some outfit, holding a crystal ball. And that's not what it's about at all. A lot of times when people come to tarot, they come because they're in pain. Right. They are trying to work through pain. They're trying to understand pain. They're trying to understand why am I diagnosed with this illness or why did I lose my loved one? Mm -hmm. You know, so people come to the table so often with that and there's no books on it. Yeah. There's nothing to teach people how to help folks navigate this. There's nothing in tarot about how to help you navigate these things. And I told my publisher, I said, there needs to be a book on this. Because especially with COVID, there's like, you, I, I'm glad you mentioned that. With COVID, I had so many people coming to me who were losing loved ones left and right yeah. or getting ill with long haul COVID right. and trying to deal with this stuff. How do you deal with it? Well, tarot can help. Tarot has helped my clients over the years deal with so many messy, heavy things. It's also helped me to deal with many heavy, messy things. Right. And so I felt a book needs to be written on this topic. People need to see that tarot can help them deal with things like caregiving, grief, loss, uh, pregnancy loss. That's something no one talks about yeah. either. Yeah. Why are we not talking about these things? Now, I will also say I am someone, I've got a full eighth house astrologically. Talking about taboo things is my jam. Yeah. I love that. And I will say, you can tell me anything. Just tell me the truth. And so I'll, over the years also, clients would come to me with stuff they would never tell anybody, sometimes stuff they wouldn't even tell their therapist yeah. because they knew I wasn't gonna judge. I was gonna be like, okay, let's figure out how to work with this. I don't care what the situation is. Let's get you through this. Let's get you through this and let's get you moving into the best direction. And that means also really being present for people and letting them be their authentic selves, coming back to that again, in how they need to deal with certain situations. Uh, one of the things I wanted to also include in that book was a lot of tips, not just on the tarot card, but what to say to somebody who's going through these things and what not to say, because I cannot tell you how many times I've had to undo other tarot readers, well-meaning work. Right. I would have someone coming to me and they're going through a grief and like, oh my God, this tarot reader just said the most horrible thing. And I'm like, oh my God, no, 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 no. Let me, let's, let's fix this. Let's get this right. Yeah. So I hope the book, you know, for one helps people see tarot as a tool for healing, but also the advice in there helps people deal with these situations. And also there's professional advice. So readers don't cause harm. Mm -hmm. We have to talk about these topics. The other thing that really bothers me, Yolanda, I don't know about you, you know, you said about polite. I, I think that's the right word. I think we are taught in quote unquote polite society that there are things again, we don't talk about. Right. And so what do we do? If someone's grieving, we say, well, everything happens for a reason. And that ends the conversation. So now we're not talking about it because the person who's grieving is going to feel, oh yeah, I better just accept this. It's done. It's right. over. We don't get anywhere. We don't get any real healing now. Our society doesn't like talking about these things. And my parents didn't like talking about these things either. I was quote unquote, the troublemaker, because I want to talk about everything, all the horrible things, because yeah. that is how we get healing. And I also to say, you know, again, going back to me, my role as a mother, uh, my children always knew. <laughs> For better or worse, if they want the truth, go to mom. And so they will tell me also all things. We're very close. We talk every single day. And they tell me things that probably most children would not tell a parent mm -hmm. because they know they can come. I'm not going to judge. Doesn't mean I'm going to like what they're telling me. I'm not going to judge and we're going to resolve it. We're going to talk about it. And so one of the things I've also been able to do with my children is break the wheel. When it comes to the way my family dealt with things, we don't deal with it like that. Yeah. When it comes to the way I deal with things like healing and grief and all that, I don't deal with it like my family does. We deal with it openly. We go right in there. And I think tarot is very much like that. It is a surgical tool. You can go right in, get to the wound, and now we can start doing some healing work. It works. Oh, I love the way you say that. So there's two things that are coming up while you're saying this. One is related to some of your personal experience in the book. But I have to say something that struck me so much about 
the book was the examining of feelings. Your journal prompts are incredible. So for anyone listening, there are journal prompts to help you go into deeper connection with the cards themselves, the tarot cards themselves. But then when you share different spreads, there are also these questions and the way that you frame the layout, just the questioning alone. I was like, this is incredible. And this is why, to your point, the emotional component, the going deeper, checking in, if we haven't been taught to do that, and it's not our normal way of looking at or processing, right? So I grew up in a family that worked, literally worked in death. Like my stepdad was a, a medical examiner. He's a forensic pathologist. My mom was an embalmer, my biological father embalmer, my brother's an embalmer, like just everything, right? My mom's dad was a funeral director, but death wasn't shied away from, but it was just spoken about a lot, <laughs> but from like a very technical there was nothing emotional about it. It just, it was a part of life, but there was no emotional component. And because of the nature of everyone's work, they had to repress their emotion a lot to deal with what they had to, you know, look at and what they were working on every single day, which then, so I'm raised in an environment that's very heady, you know, like, yes, yes. Like, you know, pick yourself up by the bootstraps and figure it out. And, you know, there was no emotional examination. And it's, I had to learn that on my own later, but reading the prompts in your book and the way that you designed your spreads, it really occurred to me how important that is to give people a framing that would cause us to question in a way that perhaps wouldn't be our natural inclination. So I know you've done so many readings, but I had to ask you about that. Like, was this just your way or has it been working with people for so long that gave you this kind of lens? Both. Okay. So when I was a child, I was called a crybaby too, uh-huh. <laughs> because I'm very sensitive, you know, yeah. so I was a crybaby and I grew up with a um, family that old farm folks, you ain't got time for that. Yeah. And my dad used to say, don't be a bungbutz. That's uh, his his German slang for you don't get to be a crybaby. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to like suck it up. You don't get to do that. Right. That's just the way it is. So I grew up in a household similar, but in a very, for a different reason. Right. It's just, we don't have time for this, you know? Yes. And so, you know, I still always had those strong feelings. I felt things. I needed to feel my feelings. And giving myself permission to feel things sometimes meant going to my journal because I didn't have a safe space in my household. I'm a huge fan of journaling, by the way, as you can tell. It's a safe place for me to vent. And, you know, so early on, I knew I had to feel my feelings and I had to honor those feelings, even if it meant I couldn't do it there. Mm -hmm. Even if it meant I didn't have peers that I could share things with, a lot of my stuff was very much me working it out on my own. But also working with clients over the years, I had to learn a lot too, because I don't have a therapist background. Mm -hmm. I'm a great listener, but I'm not a licensed therapist, you know, certainly not. And growing up in a household where you're not allowed to feel, I had to really learn also through experience, oh, how do I be present? And I'm also very guilty of sometimes saying some stupid things early on in my career, like everything happens for a reason, Mm -hmm. my most hated statement ever, (laughs) because that is what we're taught. But over the years, after dealing with clients and really working with them deeply, I learned through just being present, hey, this doesn't work. Hey, wait a minute, maybe this is harmful. And also having people come to me after getting a reading from someone who really created great distress for them, I also had to learn how to, okay, what did this person do that caused the harm? How do we undo it and how do we do better in the future? So it really comes from two places. One, being a very highly sensitive person and being told that that's not cool. And also, two, dealing with people. This is the only place they can go to work this stuff out and having to learn how to do that. So it's it's both. You know, there's everything you say. I'm like, I got to make a note because there's so many things I want to come back to. But it, I, again, it's like that word examination just keeps coming up and how important that is for all of us. But one of the things I loved about this book is the questions are phenomenal. Yes, but you also give 
how to process it, how to sit with it, how to digest what actually comes up, which I think is so important because a lot of times, you know, I've had readings from readers over the years and sometimes people just throw information at you or throw the reading at you. And on the receiving end, you're just like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) all this stuff may come up, but it's not addressed. So I love that in the book, you also give breathing exercises and you give um, meditation tips and you just, oh, rituals. I mean, there's so many ways that you help us to integrate even, or even prepare ourselves to just be honest. That I thought was huge too. Those, those little stuff are things that I've used or my, I've used with my students and clients over the years. I used to teach yoga too before COVID killed my yoga studio. Mm-hmm. It was a labor of love that I did for almost 20 years. Yeah. And we're still devastated the studio's closed. And I had a studio for Misfit Yogi. It was for anybody who's not comfortable being in a regular yoga studio. Yeah. So it was a small little studio, but we did all those practices, all those breathing exercises. A lot of those meditations were also things I did with my yoga students over and over again, including yeah. for myself. So I know they work, not just something I'm pulling out of thin air. It's like, hey, wait a minute. We've been doing this. And when I worked also as a yoga instructor. I mean, I was with my students through so many transitions because a lot of my students were with me from day one and Mm -hmm. they wouldn't go anywhere else. And so I helped them deal with things like, again, loss of a partner, um, pregnancy loss, all kinds of really super heavy things that were in the yoga studio. And we had a weird yoga studio. You could wear socks. We would talk all throughout class. People would be talking about all kinds of things. These this is what I allowed in that space too. And so much of the ritual and breathing exercises weren't just with tarot clients, but also with yoga students and myself. Yeah. Well, it's a very interesting thing. I just want everyone to know these topics that you're mentioning, they're in the book. Like you have Mm -hmm. spreads for, which I thought also was incredible because you don't hear people talk about these things and people get very uncomfortable and very nervous, you know, about it. And the fact that you address it head on, but give a resource for it, and how to look at it and how to question. Again, the book, I'm like, oh, I, this is why I said everyone needs to get their hands on it. Um, but the pregnancy loss, I was like, mm-hmm. that is a huge topic that a lot of people have so much discomfort around sharing about themselves, but even holding space and listening to. And that's the interesting thing. I mean, like we're uncomfortable as the one feeling the thing. And then we're uncomfortable about the one that has to um, yes. observe that someone else has emotion around the thing. Like we're a mess sometimes, but also you talk about um, you had the spread for the empty nest and the aging. Yes. It's on Monday. Yeah. I'm going to be 47. And so there are a lot of topics that I want to talk to my friends about. about Yes. And you know, and it's funny because there are some that are like, la, 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 la. No, 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 no. We are not aging. I don't want to talk about it. I'm like, girl, my body is saying otherwise, right? Mm-hmm. So I loved seeing that, that you, again, have a way where we can even sit with ourselves and question and examine these different transitions in life. So, yeah. Well, I will say this. I am not anti-aging. I am pro-aging. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be 60 in a year. And I'm not what, listen, back in the day when I was a young, cute thing and size two and all that, I had a lot of fun, but I'm like almost 60 and the body's different. I have a lot of arthritis right now. I have a full head of gray hair. I've got lines and I don't care because I'm alive another day. I have another day to get it right. Every single day I wake up and as as bananas as it sounds, I was like, good. It's another day to get it right. Thank you. And, you know, I always look forward to every single day. I'm always grateful when I wake up and I have another day. So I don't look at getting older as, oh my God, I'm not going to be cute anymore. It's like, oh my God, no, I got another chance. (laughs) Still get it right. I have another chance to write, to connect with my children, to let people know I love them. I have another chance. So if we look at aging through that lens, instead of looking at it like, I mean, I think women really get nailed with this anti-aging stuff. Mm-hmm. We're always told you got to look like you're 20. You should never gain a pound. Oh my God, don't go through menopause. Take these hormones for yeah. life. And 
and and we even look in the beauty industry they have these ads for anti-aging but the girls in the ad are like 30 years old right, right. <laughs> i'm like wait a minute so we we are taught that aging is this horrible thing yeah and it's not you have wisdom you're here another year it's wonderful i have an aunt who's 100 years old wow. still going strong still doing shots of tequila with her great grandsons and she's living it to the fullest and that is my role model i look at aunt angie and i'm like and angie doesn't care that she's great she doesn't care that she's a walker yeah. she's just glad she could do that shot of tequila like <laughs> yeah. like she's still like 15 years old we have got to change the dialogue and we've got to talk about it again and we've got to talk about it in a way that's not like oh bummer i'm getting older it's like oh my god i i got another day yeah it's so no, awesome. i love that perspective i'm curious about it you know what i mean and so my thing with it is i'm really you can i don't know if you can see in the video but i've got my gray streaks coming it's beautiful and all of my friends are like you're not gonna die your hair oh, no no i'm i'm genuinely curious i'm like i'm curious to see what i'm gonna look like through the phases of and my grandma lived to be 96 too and she looked good. <laughs> she was good, but she was very active all the way through, you know? So yeah, I'm not afraid of it. I'm just so curious about it. And I'm curious about like how we change and even the physical changes, how it changes us emotionally. I'm just, I'm curious, you know? I'm, I'm always a curious nosy Parker, you know, mm -hmm. I want to know everything. Yeah. And I also had the same approach as you, you know, I started going gray in my thirties and then one day I got sick of dying it and I decided I'm not going to diet anymore. And my sister, who's really gorgeous and a lot more vain than I am, said, oh, my God, I will never not dye my hair and you're going to look so old. And I'm like, uh, well, maybe I'm going to look my age. <laughs> and then I had a client who I love dearly who said, did you stop dyeing your hair? I said, yes. She goes, I'll give you a month, maybe three months. You're going to dye your hair again. I said, is that a bet? Now, don't bet the tarot lady because now <laughs> you've thrown down a gauntlet. And I said, well, that's definitely it. I'm never going to dye it again. And so it came in this beautiful silver gray. Yeah. And during the pandemic, I stopped cutting it because so now it's all the way down to past my butt. Yeah, it's gotten really super long. And you know what? Yes, I do look older. I no longer look like I'm a spring chicken. No one is ever going to confuse me and my daughter for sisters any longer. Mm -hmm. They used to. And that's okay. I'm okay with being a soon to be 60 year old woman, a few years short of retirement, because once again, when we go back to what we began talking about at the beginning, that's the authentic thing, right? This is me. Why would I want to, why do I want to do that? Why do I want to hide it? I mean, I understand why someone wants to dye their hair and look pretty. I don't care if you want to do that. If you want to get plastic surgery, I am not anti any of that. Yeah. But I'm also for me, that's not for me. I want to be in this body in the moment look at my hair, look at my wrinkles, go to the dentist, try to keep my teeth, you know, we're just doing the best we can and taking care of ourselves. But also I am witnessing the that I'm moving towards the inevitable. Yeah. And the inevitable, what is the inevitable, we are all going to die. Yes. And that is another topic we don't want to talk about, we don't want to face our own mortality. We look at death as this horrible thing. We associate it with pain and with sadness and misery and i look at it very differently especially after watching my dad pass away i'm like it's not that you're going on to another side you're going on to a different dimension we don't know what's on the other side of it and you know it's funny i was laying in bed this morning and this is how my mind works i think about death a lot but i also think about space a lot hmm. and I, i'm obsessed with space and i was laying in bed thinking about black holes which i think about black holes all the time <laughs> And I'm like, you know, what's on the other side of that black hole, we don't know. And we don't know about all these other galaxies. And what if when you die, you're just transported to another galaxy? What if you're going beyond the black hole and what's beyond that? This is where that curiosity thing comes in. Yeah. I think about this kind of stuff all the time. So I don't look at it like, oh my God, I'm going to get old and I'm going to die and it's going to be horrible. It's like, hmm. Yeah, those things might happen. I might get sick or whatnot, but I wonder what's going to happen next. Yes. What is on that other side? Maybe, maybe there's heaven, maybe there's not, or maybe heaven is me being an alien in some <laughs> kind of a different dimension. I mean, when yeah. you approach it from that perspective, it really takes the dread out of it. Mm -hmm. And I think it makes it a lot more 
meaningful and open to possibility. Well, this is another interesting thing because you have mediumship readings in the book, which also was like yes. mind blowing to me. And I have to say this just as a really quick side note. I read through um, the tarot definitions as well. And there were four cards. I'll tell you later that really, I was like, oh, wow, I really appreciate that that take. I never looked at those four cards from that lens. So I just wanted to tell you, I really appreciated that. But the mediumship readings, I was like, now that is very interesting. And I think that's one of those things that also maybe shifting culturally, Mm -hmm. slowly, um, our perspective, because we see more mediums now. There's even shows now where people are um, communicating with people on the other side or giving messages to people. There's just a lot going on now where people are even starting to acknowledge that they may feel or sense anything, even if that's a loved one, right? So the the reading in here, though, I thought was incredible. Not just the mediumship reading. I love the story of the woman who was dying and wanted to have a reading to see how everyone around her was going to be, if they were going to be okay. Amazing. But the big one I wanted to ask you about is the group readings. Mm-hmm. So especially I'm thinking now that would have been very interesting when I was sitting with a bunch of people grieving the same person mm-hmm. and it, and it's just, you know, it can be so awkward being in grief, but sharing grief space, it can all be, but if we would have had this book and could mm-hmm. have looked at alternative ways to just start conversation, like the way that you recommend doing it for children and talking yeah. to them about grief, I was like, that would have worked for us as adults too. Yes. Yeah. Well, you know, children, this is the one thing. Um, my parenting was a little unconventional. Yeah. <laughs> my mother sometimes was like, what are you doing? I'm like, just, you know, <laughs> leave me alone. Um, but again, that open conversation, we, I think sometimes we think children are not smart enough or emotionally smart enough mm-hmm. to talk about these topics. Children are very emotionally intelligent. They're very, very intuitive. I'm a huge believer in not talking down to children or excusing them from the conversation. Instead of seating them at the children's table, get them at the adult's table and let them participate in conversations. My children from very early on were participating with me in conversations, still as children, but also as being respected for their intelligence and their opinions about topics like death, topics like politics. We always talked about that stuff. We don't shy away from that because they do have opinions or fears or feelings that need to be discussed. And Tara, once again, for death, because children, oftentimes what happens when someone dies, it's confusing for a child. What does it mean? They feel sad, then they feel bad for feeling sad. They need that safe space. So you can take a child with a tarot card and say, okay, why don't you pull a card and tell me how you feel? Pick a card that shows me how you're feeling right now. And let's say I got a deck handy. I always do. Let's say the card they pull is the four of cups. This is the card that just happens to be on the top of my deck. Well, a child now can open this up and they can start talking about, maybe they see the figure and they may say, well, this represents me. I'm feeling really like, like I don't want to talk about it. Or maybe they see this hand and they're feeling, I hope that grandma has a message for me. I hope that's what that means. We can have the dialogue. And that's again where that healing begins. And I really wish people would give children more credit for how smart they are. It's funny, I created a deck with Kaylee Whitman called Tarot for Kids. And the publisher sounds true for that deck. And I said, one thing that's really important, please don't dumb this down. We do not want to dumb this deck down. We're going to include reversals because kids are smart enough to learn that. We are not going to talk to them like your kids, kids, like your, oh, baby talk. We're going to give them useful, actionable interpretations and spreads because children are smart. They'll get it. And that deck, children love that deck because we're not talking down to them. We're giving them language that they actually use and in, we're giving them things that they can actually use to open up and again, begin really um, doing that inner work. I love this for so many reasons. And I think it is a huge one. What really struck me in that 
um, the importance of giving, giving children that space is when you told the story of the little girl who lived in a different city outside of New York, but still had anxiety about witnessing 9-11 on the news. And yes. we often take for granted that children are ingesting what's going on in the world and don't really check in with how it's affecting them. But with what you just said, because you do mention several times in the book, like, don't worry about how intuitive you are. Look at the cards as like a picture book or even with children, let them just describe, be imaginative. What do you see? What does it make you feel? And it brings up that interesting line of where people are almost like they think imagination and intuition are opposing when really I think our imagination gives voice to what's very intuitive for us. So I love that we can use that for kids, but I think it also gives adults a way of getting off the hook and not putting pressure on themselves. They're like, just what do you see? Like if this was just a picture book. Yes. And you know, oftentimes here's a problem. And I do see this, no offense to any tarot authors. You know, I love every tarot book I ever read. Yeah. But sometimes they, people try to intellectualize it and they get away from the feeling part. Yeah. And I, I think also there's an effort to make things very adult and serious. And people that take themselves too seriously, they really do. Yeah. We forget about the inner child that really wants to speak. We forget about that inner child that long ago was told, you don't have permission to feel that. And isn't it beautiful when an adult has an opportunity to be playful with their tarot, yeah. where they are able to maybe shed tears and not feel ashamed about that? Isn't that the most beautiful thing? Why does it always have to be serious and scholarly? There's a place for that. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. There's absolutely a place for that. But I got to tell you, the best readings I've ever had in my life never came from that perspective as someone who sits on the other side of the table the best tarot readings were never the ones that were technical and scholarly yeah. they were the ones where the reader was just enjoying their work expressing themselves and letting me have that space yes. to say whatever the hell i needed to say or to ask about whatever i need to ask about those yeah. are the readings i always remember I don't yeah. remember any of the technical, logical, scholarly ones. Yeah. Those are like in one ear and out the other because now you're talking to me like a student. Yes. And now I feel like Charlie Brown. Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> I want you to touch my heart and my right. soul, not just give me a bunch of, you know, facts. Yeah. Yeah. No, I completely agree. I worked on, I started working on a deck right before COVID. So the end of 2019, I commissioned an artist and then, yeah. And then it ended up being a three-year project just because so much happened within that time frame. But during the process, you know, I would tell the the artist what it was I wanted for each card. And then she would send back, you know, sketches and this. And I would share it with one of my friends. And her interpretations, I mean, I, it just would blow me away. I was like, you need to teach the class to how to read my cards because she would come up with stuff, had nothing yes. to do with what I was saying. But her descriptions were incredible and they're so imaginative. Just the way she describes everything and her metaphors. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it really sticks with you that way. And I love that so much. Um, there's something though, I want to make sure, cause you know, time runs out, but I really, really wanted to make sure I asked you about this, your role as a caregiver throughout your life. I was so curious about it and one of the reasons it really stuck out is one of my three friends that passed away in that time, one, it was from cancer, and she was so concerned about the caregivers in her life. Mm. And she really wanted there to be some way for there to be more emphasis on caring for the caregivers. And I thought it was so interesting. I mean, like, here she is dying, and she was so worried about the people who were taking care of her. Um but then reading about you growing up as a caregiver and then also just the different expressions of that, like that can look like many different things. Um, I wanted to ask you about, did that kind of just like translate into you being a tarot reader? Because that's very caregiving in a lot of way. And how you came up with the ways to converse around this, which I thought was so important in the book the conversations for caregivers. Thank you. Um, I, I was parentified as a child. Mm 
Mm-hmm. And what, what we mean when we're parentified, we're put into an adult role very early on. So we don't really get to be a kid. And that's no offense, by the way, when I speak about these things very honestly, it's never about, oh my God, my terrible parents. My, my parents and I had a complicated relationship, yeah. but they've been long gone and I'm very much at peace with that. And I understand where they, where they were coming from. I get it. And my mother was very, very sick. And so I got, as the oldest daughter, thrust into the role where I became a caregiver, whether I wanted to or not. And that was something then that I, you know, got stuck with. And I remember as a child really feeling it was kind of unfair, but ironically, I was good at it. So there were a lot of complicated layers around this caregiving business that I had to really process. And caregiving is not easy. It is the hardest job. It is so, so hard. And oftentimes, what do we do around caregivers? We say, oh, you're a saint. Mm-hmm. And then we don't do anything for them. Right. And I mean, I, 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 how you describe your friend, that's going to be me. If I have caregivers, I'm going to make sure they're all okay. Yeah. Um, you know, anytime I have someone do something for me, I'm always like, oh, my God, let me give you a big tip or whatever. Because I know what it's like to be in that role. Oftentimes, a caregiver is underappreciated. Yeah. We take them for granted. We think, oh, yeah, well, you know that person's got the time to do it, not really understanding all the emotions and things that they're feeling. And so oftentimes their needs get overlooked. Or if you're a caregiver, you do overlook your needs. You're like, oh, can't worry about myself right now. I got to make sure that I got to get this person to the hospital, got to get the kids lunch packed. Uh, You know, so your needs get unmet. Everybody else also tends to think, oh, she's holding it together. I don't need to worry about her. Look how strong she is. Caregivers need a lot of support. Right. They need so much support. And the one thing I really hope is that more people hear this and give your caregivers more support. If you have a loved one who's taking on the role of caring for, like, for example, an elderly parent, make sure you're reaching out and doing things for them. Make sure you're asking, what can I do to help? Or just showing up and saying, I have Tuesday off. I'm coming over and I'm going to do all the washing. You get a day off, go to Starbucks, get out of here. Let me take care of it. These little things that you can do for caregivers make a huge, massive difference for them. And it helps them with the experience. But also, if you're a caregiver, you've got to learn to ask for help. You've Mm -hmm. got to learn to do things for you, to carve out time for you, because this is hard work. It is hard work. And also sometimes with caregivers, as my situation, like I said, my family's complicated. I also had the unfortunate experience of dealing with some family members who made it harder. Because sometimes also with caregiving, you're the primary caregiver and now you've got everyone else telling you how to do the job that they don't want to do. That is so common. And I got to tell you, Yolanda, the funny thing is when I was taking care of my dad, my younger brother and I and his wife were doing the primary work. Um, and we had some trouble making other relatives. I had so many clients coming in at that time that were in the same situation. Yeah. I probably had, I mean, every other day, I'm like, what is this? Why am I getting all these people coming with the same thing? And so I, it was really kind of funny. I ended up working through it myself, but I was also helping other people in a way that was helping me work it too but oh my god the caregivers i don't care if your caregiver is caring for you because you're unwell or if they're caring for a loved one or if they're your housekeeper or whatever please let's love them up more and if you're a caregiver love yourself you gotta love yourself really really hard and caregivers also need to work on boundaries because one thing i find with caregivers and psychics and because i grew up as an intuitive we always have lousy boundaries. That's what makes us good at our work, but that's what gets us into trouble. So if you're a caregiver, if you're an intuitive, if you're a tarot reader, if you're a healer, if you're an astrologer, you're probably very, very weak on boundaries. Shore those up. It makes you, again, a lack of boundaries, you're gonna be good at your work. It's gonna get you in a lot of trouble. It's gonna burn you out. It's gonna make you resentful. It's gonna show up in other sneaky ways. Set those boundaries. I'm so glad you say this because that's one of the questions I wanted to ask you, especially with the work that you do. And okay, I want to back up and say this. It's really interesting. A lot of times I think of how much 
people that create content and teach and author and on top of all the other things that you do, still, you know, someone from the outside could look in and wonder like, okay, Teresa, do you have time to breathe? Like what is happening <laughs> over there? And while we get all, you know, the benefit of the work that you're doing, and then again, you have the Instagram and you put the daily, um, like astrological weather there, cover your astrology for anyone, go to the Tara ladies Instagram, but where do you decompress? Because there are a lot of people, especially now with having so many ways to share or to show up or try to hold space or support in various ways, whatever we're trying to do. How do you decompress and step out of that? Well, that's another really great question. First of all, I'm on social media far less than anyone thinks I am. Yeah. Oh. I spend very little time on social media. I do what I call a hit and run strategy where I go on, post my thing, maybe look at a couple of comments and then I get off yeah. because I know if I spend too much time on social media, it's too negative. And oftentimes then you end up hearing people with this or that, and I don't need that. So I spend very little time, almost no time on Facebook. Yeah. I mean, I have a personal Facebook page. I'll go in there once in a while. I'm like, ugh, let me get out of here. So I have very strict boundaries around that. It just looks like I'm on there far more than I am. I'm just yeah. not. Yeah. Um, so I really keep that at a minimum. I also have things that I do outside of my work. Uh, I have very strict hours about when I'm doing my work, when I'm writing. I'm off the clock usually by five o'clock. I love to go on Peloton. I probably need to do the harder rides <laughs> if I really want to get any real benefit. But I'm like, listen, I'm on there to hang out with Dennis Morton and forget about my day. <laughs> so I love doing like I'll get on my Peloton. I will go for a walk. I love to cook. Cooking is my passion outside of tarot and astrology. Yeah. I love to cook. I go, as soon as I'm cooking, everything else is done. And I'll put on my headset. I'll listen to a book that has nothing to do with tarot or astrology. Right now, I've been going through Jenny O'Dell's book, How to Do Nothing, which is a great book. I highly recommend it. And so I'll have my audiobook. I'm cooking or maybe I have music in the background. I have a lovely meal with my husband or my family. We'll find something that we want to watch and go through like different series. Right now we're watching Fargo, the series. It's great. <laughs> or I'll read books. I always have a conversation with my kids every morning, every night about whatever. You know, so those are the things that I do for myself. I get massages when I can. That's my favorite thing. Yeah. But I also, I unplug. I don't sit on the news all the time. That is too much for me. And I make sure that when I'm not writing or doing the work that I'm doing, I'm really not doing it right inbox is closed off that that can wait sometimes i won't answer emails for weeks yeah like now this doesn't need to be way. answered yeah it doesn't need to be answered yeah it's interesting well it's good to hear that as a caregiver especially that you have found your way of giving yourself the attention that you need and being able to cut off in ways that you need as well i will say for people that have challenges around this you also have a, a spread around boundaries and have some discussion in there about how important it is to set boundaries for ourselves. I really, when I say everyone should get their hands on this book, The Cards You're Dealt, I thought it was, I don't know. I, I just assumed, I don't think I thought how specific it was going to be. I think I thought like, yeah, you know, sometimes we have challenges in life. Okay, let's see what the tarot lady's going to say. I mean, this was so good. <laughs> it was Thank you. really good. And I have to say too, I appreciate um, because it does, I think it will get a lot of people to have very honest conversations, not just with themselves, but you encourage us to have open conversation with each other. And I, with something that you said earlier, it made me think of, this is what we all need, especially in mm -hmm. these times, to be able to have open conversations. We don't have to agree, and that is nope. okay. But what can we learn from each other, and how can we just respect that we have different interpretations? Yes. One last thing I had to show you really quick. The tarot coloring book. So I say this all the time. When I first was introduced to tarot, I ran. I went to Oracle. I was like, no, thanks. Because of all the things I heard about it. And even though I didn't believe what I heard, you know how some things are just so deeply ingrained. So I really was afraid of like the devil card and the okay. death card. And then when I learned what they meant, they're like two of my favorite cards. But in any case, 
I fell in love with the major arcana. I loved it because there was a story there. And so there was a bigger story, but then I could connect to the story within all of the cards and kind of, I don't know. I just, I loved the major arcana so much. I did not really care for the minors and even less the court cards. Like I just couldn't make myself. And I was looking for a way to come into relationship. And I think this is how I initially found your work actually. And I came across the tarot coloring book. And so in my mind, I thought if I just sit with and color, I'll meditate on these cards Look, I even have notes. You see all the oh, notes? I, I love those everywhere. colors. Thank you. <laughs> but I had so much fun with this because it gave me a different way of coming into relationship with the cards. So I just wanted to recommend this to anyone who is trying to come into relationship with tarot because that really, truly helped me. Your tarot coloring book. So thank you. Thank you for thank, that. <laughs> thank you. You know, when my publisher asked me, we were, we we're coming up with a tarot book. They said, could you make this a coloring book? I'm like, oh my God, that's genius. Because that's the only way I could figure out anatomy when I was trying to do uh, become a yoga teacher. I could not wrap my head around anatomy. And it's like, look, you're not dumb. Why can't you not get this? Because I needed an experiential way to yes. learn it. Yeah. And so I had the anatomy coloring book and I got to color in all these body parts and then I figured it out. Yeah. And I aced my anatomy uh, thing, by the way, after <laughs> I worked with the anatomy coloring book. Yeah. So when they approached me and said, can you make this a coloring book? I'm like, oh my God, that's genius. Yes, let's do it. Because what better way to dive into those symbols than by coloring, it's gonna help you to get it. And for people who learn in an experiential way, like myself, it yes. makes sense. The other thing that was so interesting when we did the tarot coloring book, as they blew up some of the images, I saw things in those cards that even I never saw, like the death yeah. card. If you look in there, there's little people praying in the background. Really? Yes, get that out and you'll see, look at the death card. I never noticed that before. Wow. So look in the background, you'll see people praying. Somebody praying, I think, in front of a cross by a grave. Here's my colored intro. Yep. <laughs> by the way. Look yeah. way, way down in there in the back by uh, near where the water is. You'll yeah, see. Yeah, I see. And I never noticed that before. Wow. It kind wow. of blew my own mind. Yeah. S see? So again, anybody, I mean, this is what I love about your work overall. So over the years, you know, I started with the tarot coloring book, but as I mentioned, I came across your podcast, which I have to tell you, I can appreciate that they were little bite size. I get it. But because just the way you would describe and explain things were so enjoyable, I really, I got excited when there were some that were a little longer because I was like, give me more, Teresa, where'd you go? <laughs> you know, it's funny when I started those podcasts. I thought, oh, some of these other podcasts are really long. And I know how my brain works. Yeah. After about half an hour, I'm like, oh, I'm tuned out now. I'm going to go do something else. Yeah. So the whole concept was let's give them bite-sized lessons for people like me. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I'm not diagnosed with ADHD. I always say it's a Gemini thing. I probably have ADHD. It's like, I'll be into something for a while and I can go deep. But sometimes you just want, yeah. just give me a nibble and let me get on my business. Yes. And normally I would, I only want to nibble if it's not that interesting to me, or maybe like, I don't know the way that someone is explaining it. Now I'm thinking about the aliens, you know, like I'm out there, right? <laughs> yes. However, your way, again, I just want to say, I really appreciate your work. And I'm truly thankful that I got to have this conversation with you because you do, you deconstruct like the tarot and astrology, and then really frame it in a way that makes sense. And you talk like a regular person. And I, I, I learn in that same way too. I'm very experiential. That's how I like to teach energy work. I like to break it yeah. all apart and just examine everything. So I wanted to thank you again for having the conversation, but for all the work that you do, just want to let everyone know you do have classes as well. I saw that you have some upcoming. So the brushes and stars and the advanced tarot, could you tell us a little bit about those and can we do them virtually? Yes, uh, both of those are virtual classes. 
uh, brushes and cards is or brushes and stars, excuse me, my friend Chris Idell, she's an intuitive painter. We partnered up over the years and we've taught classes on intuitive painting with tarot and intuitive painting with astrology. So every once in a while we offer one of these classes and we used to do them in person, but now we do them online. Uh-huh. And so we are doing that class and we're focusing and it's happening next month on the nodes. And it's oh, okay. really great fun. So where it's online, you just get your paint, you get your canvas or whatever materials you use. We talk about nodes, we lead you through an intuitive painting thing. And then we discuss what you've painted and what it means. And it's a way again to connect with different parts of tarot astrology, depending on what we're teaching. And this time it's the nodes of fate. So it's going to be cool. And the other class is advanced tarot techniques. It's a four part class. Uh, happening on Friday nights in April. And we're going to be covering some techniques like the decans, timing with the majors. Uh, We're also going to be talking about how to create your own tarot spreads, which is, I think, really helpful for folks. Mm -hmm. So definitely something for people to check out. I also do ongoing regular monthly classes over on my Patreon account. So we I'm teaching all the time. I also have some other classes coming up that are going to be live in Los Angeles and in Canada. The Los Angeles ones are coming in April. We're getting it all organized. It's not to be announced yet. Um, but the best way, if you're interested in studying with me, you can always check out my website, thetarolady.com. Click on classes, and that'll show you where my live events are, my virtual events are. And so it's always up there. Okay. So go to thetarolady.com, and that way you can be in the know, find out everything. I saw that you had the Patreon, and I actually i was like this is pretty cool because you have not just the classes about tarot and astrology but you have um some tiers that are business focused and you even have a writer's circle that's just really really cool all of that and i want everyone to know too definitely if you have instagram follow the tarot lady at the tarot lady because she puts you're just funny and i have to tell you (laughs) like you really are funny and when i was reading your bio and it said like Oh, my yoga and the downward dog and gangster rap. I was like, what? Who is this lady? Like, I cannot wait to meet her. I am a music fanatic. I'm a music fanatic. And I I love rap. I love hip hop. I mean, the only thing you won't catch when listening to is country. No offense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can get, I I will listen to Lil Nas X with that Billy Ray Cyrus song. That's about as country as I get. A little dolly (laughs) here and there. But I mean, I love music. And oftentimes, if I'm doing yoga, it's not going to be to some meditation CD. Yeah. You know, who knows? I might be throwing on Eminem one day, or maybe I've got Snoop Dogg, or maybe I'm listening to some obscure punk rock band. Yes. That nobody's ever heard of. Well, people have heard of crafts, but, um, you know, it's like that. It's like, yeah. I don't want to hear the meditation yoga music. There's a place for that. But, oh, my God, please put something on that has a beat. Put it just seems like think. so much fun. And I there was something in there where you spoke about, I don't know, just you're 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 interesting. That's the best way I could say. Cause you know, <laughs> like sometimes when we see and we get snippets of your personality through the work that you share, but then to even read, like you're like, I like quiet time and we're just spending intimate time together. I'm like, what? There must be a lot of laughter in that though. But anyway. I've had you for an hour and I thank you so, so much. This is Teresa Reed, the tarot lady, get the book, the cards you are dealt and we'll see you next time. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Yolanda. This has been such a pleasure. Okay. Beautiful alchemist. I just want to thank Teresa Reed, the tarot lady again for coming to have this conversation I have to tell you, there aren't many interviews where I get nervous. I don't know if I was nervous or excited. Maybe it was a blend of both, but I feel like now that we've had the conversation, I can take a breath. It was such a pleasure to get to speak with someone whose work has really supported me in my path. So don't forget, if you want to check out her new book, it is called The Cards You Are Dealt, How to Deal When Life Gets Real by Teresa Reed. That's R-E-E-D. You can go to her website, thetarolady.com. Follow her on Instagram at thetarolady. If you are someone like me who's a little more hands-on, you may really enjoy her tarot coloring book as well. Don't forget she has some upcoming classes that you can register for through her website. 
And there are some new um, classes coming up here as well. Actually, for all of you who are Reiki level two or re level three practitioners who want to deepen your practice with Reiki, to want to make sure that you have more depth of understanding, you want to go deeper in your relationship to Reiki and the practices within the system, join me for the Pulse of Reiki, which starts on January 31st. Um, I will... The class registration will be closing soon because class starts on the 31st. If you are unable to attend live, the recordings will be available and you can watch them at your own convenience. But definitely, if this is something you want to improve upon, come to the class. You can sign up through my website, theenergeticalchemist.com. And I'm just realizing that when this podcast airs, it will be my birthday. <laughs> so... <laughs> Yes. So hopefully to my future self, happy birthday. I hope I'm doing something to have fun. Um, but I would love to see all of you in class. So join me for the Pulse of Reiki and be sure to check out Teresa Reed, the Tarot Lady at thetarolady.com. I thank you all so much for being here. And again, if you think anything in this conversation would support or help someone in your life, be sure to share the podcast with them. I hope you all have a gorgeous, gorgeous week and remember to always journey in love.